They say this is a big rich town I just come from the poet's part Bright light city life, I gotta make it This is where it goes down I just happen to come up hard Legal or illegal baby, I gotta make it I never it. took a straight path nowhere Life's full of twists and turns, bumps and bruises. I live, I learn. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 15 of Crime Stoppers. See it, say it, stop it. A podcast that brings you informed discussion about unsolved crimes, wanted persons, awareness campaigns, and how citizens can remain anonymous to help make their community a safer place. I'm your host, Sean Sport, and as always, I'm joined by our police coordinator, Detective Milton Ferguson from the Toronto Police Service, and Officer Martin Douglas, who is the Community Engagement Officer for the Toronto Crime Stoppers Program. Gents, how's it going? No complaints. Bless up. I have complaints, but nobody cares. What, what, what are you complaining about this time, man? No, I'm just kidding. Man. There's a lot going on to complain about. There's a lot true. going on to uh, feel a little bit out of sorts about, mm-hmm. but we'll all get through this eventually. Yeah, you know, like since we last spoke, I don't even know how many more gun violence and, and, and nonsense that we've seen. Mm. You know, the I think the last time we spoke, it was that 12-year-old boy that had been yes. shot walking home with his yeah. mom. Still resonate with me and still hurts. Yeah, I mean, something's got to be done. You know, for me, uh, I've been uh, on this Netflix show, obviously, with with COVID, and that's all I'm seeming to do in my spare time. And I've landed on a show called Power. Have you guys seen that? I have. I know of it. I haven't uh, seen it. It is an awesome show from a Hollywood perspective. Mm -hmm. But the reason why I bring up Power today is because we have a special guest with us, and we're going to talk about gang and gang prevention and whatnot. And it ties into the power, this the show, the power of what it's telling and portraying to our younger generation of what's cool and how to live life. Right. Right. And and for those that haven't seen the show, I recommend it because, you know, I'm an old school guy. I like that kind of stuff. Um, from a Hollywood perspective, it's very watchable, mm-hmm. um, a little bit relatable to a degree of, you know, how I was brought up and in, in, in where I lived and stuff. But for the most part, we need to address the Hollywoodness of this type of a show and how it does impact, you know, our younger generation. I think our, our guest is going to be um, perfect to come in there and, and give us some info. Well, it's been it's been close to a month or if not a month and a half, two months. I've been trying to get uh, our guest in mm-hmm. to talk mm-hmm. about what he does. And uh, I know both you and I had the opportunity to uh, to hear yeah. him speak. Mm-hmm. Um, he uh, he's entered the arena of TED Talks. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a um, a colleague uh, I, who I would call a, a good friend, and uh, we we met uh, under uh, you know the umbrella of uh, school officers. We have a mm-hmm. lot of uh, similarities. We were both uh, coaches right. in our prospective schools we were assigned to uh, while we were the S the school resource officers uh, um, at the schools and. Um, you know, all around good guy, really yeah. good guy. So, I mean, with that, on today's episode, we have Detective Constable Ron Chisner joining us from the Toronto Police Integrated Gang Prevention Task Force, keyword prevention task force. That's right. To discuss what he and the team are doing to combat uh, gangs and the violence that comes with it. So, Ron, welcome. Hey, guys, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it, man. And I'm, I'm super pumped to be able to at least share some perspective to what we've learned and yeah. where we are and hopefully where we're going to end up. Yeah. For sure. I, I think to start, why don't we, why don't you tell our listeners who you are, how you got into the unit and what your mandate 
is, and then we can get into a, a bunch of different questions because I know we have a bunch. Yeah, no, I'll give you the long story short because who I am, like everybody else, I love to tell stories, right? Because stories are the best way to resonate with people. To get a message across to somebody, you tell them a story and you're going to see the parts of that story that they lock into right. and you build off of that, right? right That's kind right. of my approach with everybody. Makes sense. Um, but who I am, whatever, it, it really doesn't matter. What does matter is kind of what we do and how I got involved. So um, I've been a copper for 15 years, but the last four years in particular, I've been focused on figuring out the problem of how do we get gang members out of gangs. And how that all came about was uh, the current chief, Jim Raymer, who at the time was a deputy chief, had kind of posed a different problem statement after visiting British Columbia, where they have a wicked uh, strategy called endganglife.ca. Mm -hmm. And he came back to Toronto. I had just left the gun and gang task force. I wanted to focus on family. And the option presented itself to say, hey, do you want to try to go at this and figure it out? Mm -hmm. And I was uh, personally very motivated to do it because I, in my career, um, you know, like everybody else, we go after these, these bad guys, quote unquote, and bad girls. Right. And, and some of them are bad people. But it, for me, uh, towards the tail end of my time in Guns and Gangs, I just, I started seeing things very differently. It wasn't yeah. uh, just for me. It was, I just had a few experiences where it hit home. Mm -hmm. And uh, there's a couple of hard times that I just drove home in silence. And I'm like, what, like, is this for me? And, right. and I left on really good terms. And when this popped up, I was like, all right, this is the first time in my career where I had options and I was saying no for the first time. So for the policing environment, that's a big deal. Yeah. Uh, once you hit a certain plateau and opportunities start coming to you, and you have the luxury of saying, no, I kind of hit it and I had a, a big sense of freedom. But when this came up, mm -hmm. I love problem solving and this is a problem worth solving. So we jumped into it. Uh, I had hit up a lot of coppers on the inside to say, what are your thoughts? How would you solve this? Mm -hmm. Because in the course of my career, what I did realize was, you know, the, the policing where our culture is really bad is asking for help. Mm, like right. We're not good with asking other people for help. And I had a lot of friends on the outside, some of my best friends outside of policing that, you know, I, I really close to me and they're really successful in what they do. So they were naturally my first go-to. So my first go-to is to my friends in the private sector. I said, look, here's the problem. How do you get a gang member out of a gang? They helped me rethink things through. And one of the first things I got asked is, well, did you benchmark? And I go, what's benchmarking? And they're like, did you find what other organizations are doing? Mm -hmm. And did you talk to them to see if somebody already has a solution? Right. Yeah, of so course. I was like, oh, that makes complete yeah. sense. Like, Why reinvent the wheel? Yeah. Right? So, exactly. That's my mindset. So that was my mission, right? Yeah. So I'm like, great, thank you. And and uh, you know, learning to be coachable is a whole different topic. But at that point in my life, I, I really started being open to learning from other people and taking advice, which was a <laughs> uh, well for policing in, in in general. There is there is this struggle with any sort of outside of the box thinking. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And 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 we're very um, you know, at times, uh, focused on staying within the parameters of police and how we do things and, uh, and hesitant sometimes to venture out into, into other aspects of, of the community to find that our solutions, our solutions are, you know, community, sorry, uh, police based instead of, you know, expanding. And I see the services taken a lot of a lot of steps now over the years to to looking at that more community minded uh, solution finding process and uh, it's it's going to take time it's definitely going to take time but you can see a lot of really good at attributes to to that way of thinking that mm -hmm. hey yeah you definitely do uh, but at some point too you know just 
as time goes on, you realize, well, that, that's not the only answer to That's right. Yeah. Right. I think sometimes we all get in this frame of mind that one problem, one answer, it doesn't work that way. Life doesn't work that way. You got this problem, guns and gangs and the shootings and the dope and human trafficking. The problem doesn't show itself there. Mm-hmm. It tells itself over years. Yeah, there's a story. That's right. And there's a, there's a That's story right. and it mm-hmm. just, it tells itself. And the most frustrating thing is when I started benchmarking, and I talked to every organization. I did two things that I realized were, in my mind, terrible things to do. The first thing I did was I found all the cities that had a gang problem, and I called them and I said, what are you doing? The big cities, right, in North America. Mm-hmm. And the reason why I say that was probably not the best thing to do, they got a gang problem. Mm-hmm. So they probably don't have a good grasp of how to solve it. Mm-hmm. But right off of the bat, as police officers, we're like, call NYPD, call LAPD, call yeah. Miami-Dade, which I did. Yeah. And then I realized as talking to them, they were like, Man, if you figure something out, call yeah, me back. Yeah, just know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so yeah. I met a lot of people. I got into the research space, and then I realized, oh, okay, this is not a this is not a police problem at this point. What the police is focused on with gun and gang violence is what the police are for. It's public safety. Yeah, find the people doing the violence, hold them accountable, hold them responsible, prosecute these guys. Like that's kind of where we fit in. But in the in the process of learning and asking, okay, where did this all come from? And my my favorite question to ask whenever I'm solving a problem is, then what? Mm-hmm. Right, and I think of it as actually peeling back a layer. People talk about peeling back layers, but they don't think about it, what that mm-hmm. actually mm-hmm. means. And a great question to ask is, okay, then what? Because whenever somebody gives you an answer, right, to something, or they say, you know what, the solution to this problem is this. Mm-hmm. They say, okay, then what? You know, and you keep asking the then what, and you you start to get to either how impossible the solution actually is, mm-hmm. or there's teeth to the solution, mm-hmm. meaning that mm-hmm. we can do this. So then what's for, for gangs? I got into the research space. I started meeting more and more people at different government sectors, different community groups, different police agencies. And I just started to really um, change my, uh, my, my mentality of thinking uh, through, you know, so many people who stepped up uh, that had such an interest in it outside okay. of policing that I, I'm forever in debt to that really invested in helping me change my way of thinking. Yeah. And, uh, and, and, you know, I started looking at, uh, beyond then what's um, I started focusing on and this is going to sound so crazy because I do so much public speaking and I, I really enjoy it because I enjoy spreading the message and the irony is or the hypocrisy is once I switched my mindset from being less focused on being interesting but focused on being interested mm-hmm. things started to become super clear for me wow so everybody I'd meet I would use police tactics and I debrief them and I still do to this day so everybody I met right. in the space of psychology, social work, you know, provincial youth workers, works in jails, all the impact points, teachers, um, right. community housing workers, I'd reverse debrief to say, what's going on in your world? And in your world with the same kids, and I say kids because they all start off as kids, right. and now some of them stay as kids when they commit these horrendous crimes, you know, there's different stories that get told. And mm-hmm. there's academics that say um, across the world there are 36 risk factors that are that occur over five stages of life, that unless these get mitigated, what's the chance of success here? And usually they end up in in gang violence. And why it's gang violence all of the time is remove the four letters gang, Mm G-A-N-G. Just remove that and look at the activity and look at the person. Mm -hmm. And this is not a sympathy thing here. I'm not saying we sympathize or we, I'm just saying, let's just look at it as a uh, problem solving oriented people. What did we expect to happen here? Right. Like, well, I don't understand what you expect the outcome to be here when you know, you got a, a kid that within their family, they got parent criminality, poverty. Um, you, you know, they're one, they have single parent homes, which is a legitimate thing. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, they don't have any pro-social activities because mom or dad's gone to work all the time and they're one of five and it's kids raising kids. Yeah. And then they go to school and they don't have any pro-social behaviors. They can't connect to schools. The behaviors that they get rewarded at home are the ones they exhibit in school, which is acting out and mom you know, comes in and the mom in school is the teacher. Mm-hmm. And then right. they develop this peer group when they're nine and 10, which is all kids that are just like them. And then they become 15 and something happens between nine and 15, which is the critical period. And you know, Martin, when we worked in the schools, yeah. every teacher would say, Something happens between grade eight to grade nine. That's right. That summer period, mm-hmm. I don't know why, since we started the school officer program in 2008, yeah. I remember then mm-hmm. pe- the teachers saying, whatever happens, we just lose kids. And yeah. it's at eight and nine because I think, and so does the uh, research say that, eight and nine, when you're in grade eight and nine, you're kind of allowed to go play outside by your own. Right. And when you're, when you're a bit dysfunctional, which is the word to use, they don't have a healthy environment, who are they surrounding themselves by? Who are they connecting with? Yeah, who are their mentors? Not healthy people. Right. It's right. people just like them. So they find yeah. this little pack. And then the pack, as they move through the process, they're in the same neighborhood. They don't generally leave the same block. You know, like they don't not really know. Not calling themselves a gang at that point. Not at all. No, just right? a group of kids yeah. it, hanging out, right? Yeah. And that's, we all did it yeah, with and, our friends. And then it evolves into when it's unchecked. It evolves <laughs> into a gang. I have a question. I don't mean to interrupt because no, I know you're okay. going down the, the research path. With COVID and kids yeah. not it, learning from home, yeah, and and that parental, you know, mentorship isn't there to be the teacher. How do you how do you think that that's going to affect long term um, some of these kids that are now not going to school online? They're having learning challenges. Mom and dad are there, with, yeah. and now all of a sudden they're like, well, "What am I doing?" They're frustrated, so what, they're going to go out and they're just going to start doing things because. They've given up because they don't have a teacher to actually teach them. There's so much happening um, at homes right now, stuff that are the unseen things, mm-hmm. which happens. And this is where I like I appreciate academics, but academics only go so far because they can right. only work with the data provided to them. Right. So that source of data, like for example, when we provide police data out to academic bodies that will then analyze it and get PhDs, great on the analytics. Mm-hmm. But they're asking us for data, we provide that data. They don't see the unseen things that happen in between, right. which are critical. For example, I'll share with you right now, we're, we're in neighborhoods Tuesday, Wednesdays, and Thursdays, right? And um, at the beginning, I was very clear on this, that I said, this is not a race issue, all right? This is not a race issue. Race is not one of the risk factors that get you into gangs. Mm-hmm. You know what is an issue? It's a class issue. Mm-hmm. This is a poverty issue. There's something called yep. social disorganization that connects poverty to crime. Now, I'll give you an example. Just, for, just for our listeners, Ron, yes. yeah. uh, please hold that thought. You said when we're in the community, and I just want to make sure all our listeners understand what it is and who yeah. is in the community. Uh, we kind of we kind of yeah. forgot that little bit of a piece there. Uh, I've been to your office. I've yeah. seen the officers. I know I know what you do, but uh, who's out in the community and what? It, why why is this happening? Why is now officers out in the community? How does that? What does that look like? So, <coughs> excuse me, sorry. We had. We had spent two years engaging every stakeholder you could think of on a government level, talking Mm -hmm. municipal government, provincial government, and federal government, because that's what the research said you had to do. You had to align everybody into this one page, and we all have to agree on a lexicon of language and how we're going to attack this problem. It's extremely difficult to do, because as much as we think organizations make decisions, they don't. People make decisions. Mm -hmm. Elections matter. We got blocked by the provincial election. We got blocked by municipal election for the mayors for existing partnerships where I got to know you, I got to know you we're on the same page. Mm-hmm. Stuff changes. So we lost mm-hmm. two years. We were super frustrated being our team. So there's myself, uh, Detective Jason Kondo, uh, three detective constables being Julia Roisman, 
Marlon Lapdice and Vijay Di Guerra. But at the time of this frustration, it was just myself and Jason Kondo. And what we'd realized when we're like, what are we going to do? Because the shooting started to ramp up. We said, you know who we never engaged was the community itself. Mm -hmm. Yep. We, we never, and that is a historical problem that I've advocated strongly for, saying that no organization, including the police, can assess a problem from the outside in and apply a solution. Right. It's mm -hmm. disrespectful and it's a waste of resources because right. to go into those communities and say, I know what your everyday problems are. Here's the solution. Yeah, you don't it's live it's there. so you don't insulting, know. right? Right. It is, honestly, it is on a yeah. very human you level. You see it as a police officer. I see it. But you really I'm... don't know unless you live no. in that environment. And, and that's amazing because I was on a show last, not a show per se, but speaking to an organization mm -hmm. last night. And one of the things I said to them is that we coming out, and because my mindset is, you know, getting people involved, the community, policing, social agencies, schools, everybody involved with this. And one of the things I said to them is we cannot do this without the involvement of the youth mm -hmm. and those affected by the gun violence at the table. Yeah. Mm -hmm. well, they have to be at the table. And it's ironic that you brought up power, and I showed Martin here that I wrote something down here, sense of belonging and power status. And this is what I was engaging with last night, and here you're bringing up that power circumstances where these, you know, the young people, they want that sense of belonging. Mm -hmm. They want that power. They want that status. Mm -hmm. And how do they attain it? How do they get it? And sometimes, you know, that's that road. So mm -hmm. it, it's no, I guess, coincident that we're all sitting here yeah. at this table because our mindset is along that line of working together mm -hmm. cohesively. And, and I've known you, Ron, for a period of time. Yeah. And, no. you know, I respect what you do. I Thank respect you. your work. And, 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 you know, and regardless of anything, I'm, all, I'm looking forward to working with, you know, working with you in the future. Man. 100%, man. Okay. So, so we, we do all this stakeholder thing. We get blocked. We realize we don't engage the community. So we hosted super aggressively a uh, 30 gang prevention town halls in 30 of the most impacted neighborhoods in the city of Toronto from March of 2019. Sorry, September okay. of 2019 to March of 2020. Yeah. And the way the format was, was we, we adjusted everyone, which is such a critical element. Like you got to take the critical feedback and work with it. Mm -hmm. And and so we adjusted. We had suits and ties in the first one and a strong uniform police presence. To by the end of it, there was like four of us and we were all playing clothes and we never introduced ourselves as cops. Mm -hmm. So when they walk in, the way that I had set up was it was 6 to 9 p.m. From 6 to 6.30, everybody comes in on their own time. I would introduce myself to everybody as, hey, my name is Ron. Nice to meet you. What brought you out today? They had no idea I was a cop. Mm -hmm. And they tell you, I saw a flyer. My son was shot. You know, my friend was killed. Oh, this happened in my neighborhood. Um, you know, I, I saw free food. Yeah. My kids haven't ate. I just wanted to come by. So I gathered the perspective of the room. And then by the time 6.30 to 7.30 hits, I've gained, uh, I've got over the, the distrust. Yeah. And then I announced, hey guys, my name is Ron Chinzer. I work with the Toronto Police. Um, this is what I'm here for. Mm -hmm. at, at that point, it's not this, right? Like we're, we're in, we have the relationship, yeah. we have an agreeableness, yeah. and I understand their perspective. So I'm not going to present them information that's, not valuable to them. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't want to talk to them about traffic safety if they're here because there was a shooting, right. right? So I'm there to talk about only what's in their interest. Right. Then we do that. And then at the end of it, uh, we sell them the framework and the idea and the importance of collaboration so they can understand like the, the high end. But I also say, look, I, I don't know what fills this gap in. Like, I yeah. really need you to do it. And we recorded all of them. They're all online on YouTube. If you just look up, you know, Toronto Gang Prevention Tunnels, all of them are going to pop up and I edit them so everybody's protected. Mm -hmm. And then I shut all the cameras off for the last hour. And I say, hey, off the record, I got to know what's happening. And I'm not asking for this guy's dealing with drugs and that guy's got a gun. I need to know what the perspective is from right. the inside out, where they have these struggles. And um, it's incredible. Like it is, it's so, uh, I don't want to say the word heartbreaking because I don't want to pity anybody, 
but it's it's as as a, somebody who's a problem solver, it's very frustrating because right. the the solutions are what I think so simple, mm -hmm. but they're so difficult to execute on. Mm -hmm. So we had written this. Uh, I had wrote this uh, thirty seven. <clears throat> insights and opportunities that are presented to the police services board on October 22nd, we presented on there. And it was for how we can shift our mentality and our perspective as law enforcement to better deal with the problems. And, and mm -hmm. there's, there's some things in there that are, I think, so important on a human level. Like for example, policing, when we respond to calls, we have a priority level, mm -hmm. priorities one through eight, mm -hmm. the, the lower the priority. So if it's a number one, it's like, you got to go lights and sirens. You got to save somebody. There's an mm -hmm. imminent loss of life here. And then we have lower priorities, which is kind of, okay, look, because of the number of people we have, importance, you got to go there. But it doesn't match necessarily with value systems of people. Mm -hmm. So in these low-income areas that are just demolished and terrorized by guns, gangs, drugs, human trafficking, you know, what does a bicycle mean to that mom? Right. Dude, that bicycle on a value scale is number one. Right. <laughs> All right. Like number one, because she had to work her butt off to get uh, it. Her mm -hmm. kid got the bike, went to the mall, the bike got stolen, comes home. Mm -hmm. And then what happens is kind of our mentality is she'll call 911 and she'll either get referred to an online reporting system or she'll get some cop who shows up a couple of days later. Mm -hmm. And that cop shows up and the reality is it's a stolen bike. It's Toronto. Like most people in that situation don't know the serial number, don't know the color, don't know the make and model. Right. So we're limited in our approach, but when we don't match our, our, our professional treatment to people based on their values and not our priorities, we miss key opportunities to develop professional relationships to right. show we're competent. Right. Because the feedback was, look, you, you, the and way to show that we're invested and we're invested because invested honestly, like, look, and to, and to defend coppers, we're going to murders and shootings right, right. now. Like there's no tomorrow. Right. So stone bicycle, when you're thinking of that, you don't mean to come across as not caring. You, you're just thinking about, man, God forbid another shooting comes right, in. Yeah. God forbid. Right? You're thinking about that, so your mind's elsewhere. But then the, the problem is uh, that I see in the gap is if we can't show up, and this is very, it's a hard ask. It is a, it is a hard ask because I make it sound like it's so simple, but it is very hard to execute on. Yeah. If, if we can't show that we're competent to handle that in an impacted community, they have no trust that when a murder happens, we're going to be able to do anything because to them, you can't even do a stolen bike report yeah, properly. They just link it right <laughs> off the bat. It is, right? Yeah. So you hear all these things, and then what we developed is I, I wrote this project. And, that, this and that's when you hear in the community, well, the cops don't do anything anyway yeah. when you call them, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. They're not referring to the shooting. They're not referring to a murder or an assault. They're referring <laughs> to all the other stuff. Yeah. A yeah. simple bike theft, yeah. possibly. And, and it's so hard to, to, to paint that picture because the other half of the picture is this is an impossible job. Yeah. yeah, this is, I'm telling you, it is, this job is impossible, yeah. right? If anybody tells you, yeah, you, listen to me, man, to do this job for 30 years, that's stupid. <laughs> all right. That is a stupid expectation because of all the, you know, mental health issues. The right. culture that we're in is, is a very um, different culture, I'll say, for the most part. Mm -hmm. um, we have our own issues. We, we have a, a lot of responsibilities and there's a lot of frustration because the frustration within the organization from police officers is not that they're frustrated because they don't want to do more. They want to do more, yeah. but they feel like they're limited in what they can do. Like that, that's the, everything I've seen. I've talked to thousands of cops yeah. all over Ontario. The most frustrated ones, when you peel back the then what, and you keep going with then what, everything comes back to, I want to do more, but I don't feel like I'm supported. Right. I don't feel like I, I'm in a unit. I don't feel like my skills are being used. And then that frustration shows itself in different places. So it's, it's a real simple fix of one of many, um, but long story short, <laughs> 
I write this project in December 19 called Project Engage. It was the halfway point of our uh, town halls because I started seeing a clearer picture, right? So we were 18 town halls in. And I'm like, okay, I know what the next step is, but we're going to close these town halls off. We're going to gather real insights from, mm -hmm. from the inside out and where do we apply things. So we wrote this project and, and right now we've been executing on it, which we've been executing on since September of 2019, well, 2020. Um, and what we do is we focus on 12 areas, 12 neighborhoods in Northwest Toronto um, that are really gang impacted. And Tuesday to Thursday, we go out there, we knock on everybody's doors. We knock on about 300 doors a day. We offer social services. We offer links to job mentorship. We get a mental health uh, help. And then we, we want to hear back, like, what are the everyday things? And it's drug use, it's drug abuse. It's, again, shootings and being fear. And, you know, we talk about the CERB, and this is how it all came up. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> drug use has gone up substantially because CERB money. Yeah. Addicts are not bad people, but now they have a, a, a flow Funding of cash. Money. Yeah. So now that they have a flow of cash that's unchecked, they go out and they buy drugs. And now that there's more of a demand for drugs, the supply increases. And where are they getting the drugs from? Mm -hmm. They're not getting it from some Jim Schmo. They're getting it to a quote-unquote gang member mm -hmm. or gang associate, mm -hmm. which is their primary purpose. It's to deal drugs, collect that, and control the territory. Like, that's the core purpose. The shootings, the murders, the human trafficking, that's all a byproduct of yes. obtaining those three Most things, right? right? Like, it's a byproduct, but they take all the attention. But if we... If you see it now, and on top of that, um, the most heartbreaking thing is, I'll give you an example. We talk about online education, and it's 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 actually this is a, a little difficult. I knocked on a door, and this is, happens routinely every work week with our entire team. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> I knock on this uh, door. This lady answers, and as soon as she answers, it's an apartment complex. Her kids come rushing out to the hallway. All right, like they're running, and mm -hmm. she's yelling at them. <laughs> You know, yelling on profanity, she's like, get back in here, get back in here. She ropes them all in. Super polite with me, but she's yeah. she's <laughs> she's rough with these little guys, right? <laughs> so she's like, give me a second. I hear her close the door politely. She's like, excuse me, I'll scream me one second. She shuts it, and you could hear her. <laughs> she goes off on the kids. There, like, there, you can't hear it. There, well, there's this some is, correction happening. It's wild, there's right? Some correction yeah, happening yeah, yeah. behind so the she door. Op she opens the door, and she's all like, punch. She's like, so what can I do for you? <laughs> and uh, I kind of give her the pitch. Look, like, hey, I'm, I'm just here. We're just trying to connect with people, understand what's happening. And, um, you know, what I noticed in that conversation was because she has multiple kids. She's in low income. Mm -hmm. She has a, actually a pretty terrible story where she's a victim of domestic violence and had to be bounced around from housing to housing to housing. And finally, she set up shop here. And uh, with COVID right now, her kids are locked inside her house. Yeah. The other reason they're locked inside a house is there's shootings happening during the daytime. Just right. shooting at her park. Right. So she's like, these guys are not going anywhere. Mm -hmm. They're staying right Keeping here. Keeping her baby mm -hmm. safe. She was in the park yeah. when a shooting occurred the week earlier. Mm -hmm. So she's like, they're staying right here. So what we have is we have prisoners yeah. at home. Mm -hmm. They're stuck in a jail. And these community members are terrified. So even when we try to right now, and I think the service needs to understand this very clearly, even though we want outreach in these communities, the number one reason they're not coming out to support anything is not because they don't want us here. 150% if you go to any of those neighborhoods in Northwest Toronto, which is the most impacted spot, every single one of the neighborhoods we talk to says, we want more police, all of them. Right. The reason they don't want to come out and say it, they're terrified. Right, yeah. sure. They Same are, with Crime Stoppers, right? That's I, why I believe some people don't call Crime Stoppers because they feel that we're the police when really it's a civilian-run program. And, you know, Martin and Milton do their best to vet that information so there's any identifiers that are taken out and then we pass it off to the investigators, right? And so on we, that, we feel, on we that, feel the I know, same. I know we want to, uh, you and I have talked about this, again, for at least a month, if not two, uh, in, in finding some sort of synergy and collaboration mm -hmm. with what you do. 
when I found out that you're going door to door, um, you know, the whole prospect of them saying, yeah, but you know what, I don't want to talk right now is quite often, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming, right? Yeah, uh, actually, you know what, there more people are talking than not. Right. Um, and that's where we want it, like the one I can actually, I'm like, hey, listen, give us some pamphlets, we'll display them out because- Well, that's what, I, yeah, that's these what I wanted to do. And, and, and yeah. we do have them in the office. Yeah. Today, before you leave- Yes, give me a you will You will be getting a box yes, for your team, yep. so you can you can be out there with some Crime Stoppers uh, yeah. um, branded information yeah. and how to communicate to Crime Stoppers, what it's about, and, and, and why. I, just I want to see something before I forget too about her kids, which is a, is super important. So, the four kids she has at home, right? Mm -hmm. Online school. Do you think she's got four devices for these kids to go to school? No, I don't know. Look, yeah. if they have one, yeah. really. Uh, when you yeah. think about like, it. think about that. You yeah. know, I, I noticed it that day. And mm -hmm. then the craziest part is, so I asked her for her email address to get her connected with a job placement program and mm -hmm. and uh, resume skills and all that stuff. And and her her last um, two uh, digits on her email address was uh, uh, numbers. And I go, mm -hmm. what are the numbers for? And she's like, her date of birth. And she's born the same year that I am. Mm -hmm. So, you know, for me, it was like one of those many that I have every day where it's like, it's yeah. yeah we're at we're at the same stage of uh of life but look look at the opposite discrepancy it's 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 just you know it, as a human being forget a cop as a human being just as a human being you see that and you're like you know you go home and you hug your kids you value your life you you know you just i just i'm looking at things so differently right now that it's um you know every day is a, a blessing 100 percent. i'm so thankful for you my brother you know and as someone who's walked the community been in communities after shootings and you know it, it resonates with me that that there's a lot of community members that want us there but they're afraid yeah. and sometimes as police and we think that they will rebuff us and reject us and i say to officers all the time even if the community initially rebuffs you or rejects you they just want you to prove that you want to be there for them yeah. and once you show that vested interest they don't care the color of your skin they don't care who you are as long as you have that vested interest in the community, they will rally towards you and around you and listen to you. And as police members trying to get out into the community, once we are trusted, then the message that we're carrying, they will listen. Yeah. So right now they have a hard time listening to the message because they're not always trusting the messenger. Well, so what you're doing, your team is doing and others will be doing, you know, I'm so looking forward to the future. And you know, I'm, 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 I'm I, I got to say this, man. man. I, I know a lot of the people that I've, I've met in my career. Uh, you're definitely the right mm -hmm. guy to be doing oh, that, thanks, that man. job. Oh, I, yeah. um, I got to ask you, though. Yeah. Um, we all say this and then ask you. We have uh, items that we usually put up uh, for um, for our auction Mm -hmm. uh, for the Crime Stoppers dinner. Yeah, I've been there. It was and, awesome, honestly. I mean, it's all it's all in it's all in the um, the hopes to, you know, raise funds for for our, now our community community rewards program. But um, we have an iPad, and mm -hmm. uh, I know that uh, we don't want to give this iPad to auction um, when COVID, you know, relieves us. Um, you know, maybe next year, probably the year after, because it's mm -hmm. going to be old. Mm -hmm. It's going to be old technology. So, uh, if you're in touch with that, uh, that uh, young lady, because yep. I'm calling you young because you're the same age as her, <laughs> <laughs> that young lady with her kids, Jeez, that maybe a new another device would be helpful for her. Yeah. 
Uh, I, I think that uh, the board would support that. I know my boss would. Most definitely, um, yeah. We would yeah. love to donate that to to, oh, to your office to give to her. Uh, she would uh, she would appreciate it greatly. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, I will tell you, like we're working on something behind the scenes where one of my best friends is a, a CEO of a global organization and knows about the cause. And, and we're working with them right now to get 1,500 uh, laptops, iPhones, and tablets donated every year. Well, now, now you just made my no, 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 yeah. sorry, no, 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 no. <laughs> well, I, thank I, you I, for your, you know, <laughs> Texas Instrument calculator, but we don't use those no, anymore. <laughs> the, the no, no, it's the reason I'm I kidding, share that I'm is kidding. because of the not like the number of people that want to help in the city. Yeah, I don't think we have any idea, and we haven't capitalized on those relationships. Right, the benefit yeah, of going out true. to do all these yeah, talks is to raise advocacy, and you don't know who's in the audience, and then people hit me up all the time, and I'm always like, yeah, man, we can get you connected right away. But yeah. no, that definitely, yeah. It's, well, it's, 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 it's the least we could do, but uh, it's definitely something it's that's crazy because uh, anybody it's, listening to this program would think this was planned or no, but it's just same mindset, same way of thinking. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was Sean <laughs> that said, what so about you, the iPad? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. What about the iPad? Yeah. Offer him the iPad. Because you're just talking about people wanting to help. And, and as I said, the group I spoke to last night and the feedback I'm getting is that there's people in the, out there so who have the resources and is willing to help. Yeah. And that's what I've been looking for. That's what I've been trying to coordinate. Yep. You know, us coming together and then you said, not reinventing a wheel, but just taking the, you know, the resources that are there and saying, how can we apply it to make a difference? Because I put a piece on my, um, my Facebook, you know, recently. And even though I'm talking about the gun violence and wanting to get the guns off the street, the biggest thing that I expressed in that is prevention. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, the preventative component. Yes, you know, we, we need, you know, to get the guns off the street. Yes. But it's the mindset of that person having the gun initially. How do we prevent that? How do we intervene yeah. so yeah. that our enforcement is minimal? It's a, you know? It, yeah, I agree so, with so, you. So it's, that's what I'm looking at. And these rough. resources and, as you're saying, getting the computers out there, yep. you know, getting these young people things. Because poverty is a huge part such of a, this yeah. problem. You know, it's a huge part. So getting yeah. all these things out there, I'm, man. But I, I'm, I'm so excited right now for being in this yeah. position and yeah. what we can do in galvanizing people who want to help yeah. i'm really super excited I, I, about that i'll tell you i got i got a, a vision as well for it but was something you mentioned before that i want to touch on where you said you know when you try to reach out to a community member as a police officer and they kind of shut you down i call it the 10 percent rule mm -hmm. it's in our uh it's in the recommendations report i put out there and the reason that i call it the 10 percent rule is one of the things i did learn in all these town halls is you know we think that the community doesn't trust us we're 100% of the distrust. Yeah, we're not. We're about 10% of that total distrust. And the reason I share that with, with coppers is to say, look, all you got to overcome, man, is 10%. Yeah. Okay. That you don't 100% mentally to deal with it, to say 100% of this person's hate is towards me. It's hard to deal with. But when you go 10%, you're like, okay, I just got to win them. Yeah. Just 10%. You're already winning the game. You just got to take it into the end zone. That's really, it, right? You just got to focus on the 10%, mm -hmm. try to win them there, and they'll feed you back because their their whole life is filled with mistrust. You know, think just a, a, where I learned this lesson was a, a long, really long story short. You know, think about this. A mother has her kid killed in a neighborhood that they grew up in their whole life. Mm -hmm. They've been there for 30 years. Kids 15 years old get shot and killed. True story. And uh, the people were all there. People saw the murder. And we say to ourselves as police when we canvass and we see the cameras that, oh, nobody's telling us anything, right? Mm -hmm. That's a bit of a victimization for us. But think about that perspective where that mom wakes up every day sees where his kid got shot and killed right has known anybody for 30 years not one single person has told her what happened for sure right yeah. not one which yeah. is uh, like think about that her best friends her neighbors not one person said 
I know what happened. Mm -hmm. So that's why I say we're 10%. Her distrust starts mm -hmm. from the morning. Yeah. The, the, the second she goes to bed, the second she wakes up, boom, boom, boom. We're, we are such a small part of that total distrust that again, if we can just show, look, man, we're here. Mm -hmm. I'm not going anywhere. I mean, sometimes does it go bad for sure? Like I had, yeah. I had one mom put a complaint on me because she thought I was like, you know, coming after her for other purposes. I, I didn't mean to, maybe I came across the wrong yeah. way, but you know, it's not going to stop me. Right. I'll just learn from it and say, all right, maybe I'll just be more clear about my approach the next Yeah, time. for sure. And I, you know, I think community partnerships are super important, especially in what you're doing with the prevention side of things, right? So probably maybe six months ago now, we teamed up with 106.5 FM, Element 106.5 FM, and they're a new kind of urban indigenous style uh, radio station that reached out and said, hey, we want to partner with you. And you know, right off the bat, we were like, we need to do some awareness on gun violence. And, and we created these public service announcements. So I just want to play for you real quick one of the uh, PSAs that we put out there and then get your feedback on it to see how it would resonate potentially the message <clears throat> with um, you know the, the interactions you have when you're engagement with the community. So sure. let's hear the, uh, the PSA. Gender reveal parties, a familiar scene. Families celebrating the birth of their child. Another familiar scene, families looking for answers as to who murdered their child because of gun activity. Community safety is a shared responsibility. We all play a part in making our community safe. Doing what's right is our own reward. See it, say it, stop it. Stay anonymous and call Toronto Crime Stoppers at 416-222-8477. So Ron, what did, what did you think of... Uh... Of that i think it's bang on mm -hmm. it's because it goes from a moment of normalcy to this right right reality and the reality and, yeah. and i think it's in life this is a life thing where we all think we're invincible we're untouchable until you get things like cancer diabetes right. you right. know you, you get critical illnesses and in some people's world mm -hmm. you get the phone call or you hear the gunshot right and that's a reality that people live in and we all think it's not us but for the the family members of the survive or the non-surviving and mm -hmm. for the surviving and the mm -hmm. non-survive the surviving family members that's mm -hmm. a it's going to resonate and, and that's you know i was really happy and how um the team over at 106.5 kind of helped put it together yeah, with hard. the ideas that we had and what toronto crime stoppers historically has always done has we've told the line of being um what's the right word martin to use um, bold in, in our approach, I think, mm. um, you know, and kind of toying the line of you have to have an impact. Otherwise, people aren't going to remember your message that you're trying to. And that's whether we do you a poster. You have to poster. be real with your message. You, you have to, be, whether real. that's through a poster, a PSA, yeah. a video. If people can take away that message or then share it and say, oh, my gosh, did you see this? then the marketing, if you will, has worked because that message is being shared. Yeah. And if you can appeal to that person's heart, uh, how they see themselves in the community right. and, and kind of allow them. And I know Ron has done this many times over, mm -hmm. probably more times than you'll ever know, especially working with young, with youth, uh, with young people, is creating paradigm shifts in people. And mm -hmm. it's just subtle things that... Mm -hmm that you can say or do mm -hmm. to impact a person's life in a way where, like a rudder, a rudder of a ship, someone once told me, um, you start to correct your course, right? Mm -hmm. You don't make drastic corrections with a big ship. 
you know, no. it's it's just a little bit of an input into the rudder and, and it can over a period of time steer you in the direction where you should be going as opposed sure. to, you know, these drastic, drastic things that can be sometimes too overwhelming for a person to, to even fathom doing. Um, but um, when victims of, of, or sorry, what I should say is victims of crime are, are you know, people in society that know all too well mm -hmm. what we are saying is true mm -hmm. and 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 this activating that part of you where you become morally responsible and obligated to to do something to say something when you see something mm -hmm. and get involved in a way uh, where you can create positive ripple effects within your community or wherever you are for that mm -hmm. matter mm -hmm. you know so if you're not in your community and you're on a bus station platform somewhere downtown you're still engaging that part of your mm -hmm. brain where you're, I saw something wrong. It shouldn't have happened. I'm mm -hmm. going to engage. Now, I don't have, you know, a um, officer Chinzer to reach out to. I don't have a detective uh, Ferguson or Martin Douglas or or um, another officer that I that I would trust. Mm -hmm. But I do have Crime Stoppers, and I can still mm -hmm. get that information mm -hmm. to those officers that can act on that information and maybe do something about mm -hmm. it. That. Yeah, correct. Correct. What's happening? Listen, Crime Stoppers is a, a such an uh, invaluable tool. Yep. Honestly, it is, man. You know how many mm -hmm. people I've referred to it because mm -hmm. even they'll start talking to me and they're nervous and I'll say, just stop. I'll say, do you know about Crime Stoppers? You know, and they'll be like, well, yeah, but I'm like, you can do it online. You can call in. You can send right. an email. Like, there's so. Mm -hmm. And once in a month, they're like, all right. I said, look, use that. You mm -hmm. know, like because I'm not looking to. I, I know the realities of my limitations as well. Mm -hmm. And, you know, handling that a lot of times, I don't have the time to do it. Mm -hmm. right. So if mm -hmm. I know it's something really serious and they mm -hmm. trust me, I'll refer them your way 100% of the time. Right. Yeah, and we appreciate that. I think for me, you know, as a civilian, you know, the chair of the program, but also growing up in the city of Toronto, right? Growing up in some of these, you know, neighborhoods, if you will, that have some of these challenging problems. What I find is heartbreaking is every time uh, a shooting happens and uh, someone dies, is the family in front of the, the media standing, you know, shoulder to shoulder with the police begging, right? Begging for someone to just come forward and say something they it's want. Tough. They it's, want resolution. Yeah, it's so tough. And I look at it as that possibly could have been prevented oh because somebody mm. knew that, you know, outside of being a random innocent bystander, somebody yes. still knew that two guys, two groups were having a beef, that there was going to be a shootout potentially where someone was being targeted and it was going to happen and somebody could have called Crime Stoppers, prevented that from happening. And then you see the ripple effect. This yes. would have never happened. This would have never happened. That family wouldn't be going through this, so on and so on and so on. And that's what breaks my heart is, yeah. and I get it 100% that people, whether they don't trust the police to talk to them and then don't trust Crime Stoppers to talk to them. So now they're sitting with this information saying, well, it's not happening to my bubble. So I'm not saying anything until it happens to their bubble. Yeah. And yeah. they're the ones that are now in front of, uh, of, of, of the media begging for help. If only somebody were just to, and it's hard to say, but I'll say it, if you trust, if you have information and you have to just trust into something, call yes. Crime Stoppers and trust that you're going to remain anonymous. Yeah. You will yes. never be found out unless you go and tell someone, hey, I called Crime Stoppers. Yeah. And that's the message right. I give. Unless you give it, unless you say it to somebody, it's not going to come through us. Right, right. Yeah. You know, because I said the call center is there, mm -hmm. they forward it. You know, and unless you say something, that mess is not going to get out. Yeah, right. it's, it's, a, it's a different time, man. It is a, it is a, I'll tell you, even with the, the culture of like, 
you know, the hip hop culture, which yeah. is the blueprint to yeah, yeah. how do you get out of the hood? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. what it is, right? Like yeah. there's, uh, I'm a big hip hop head. And back in the day, there was a rapper, J. Rue the Damage. I don't know if you guys ever, yeah. you know, right? J. Rue's a legend, man. Mm-hmm. And he had, he had a wicked uh, quote where he said, you know, back in the day, hip hop was uh, art imitating life. But now life imitates art. You know, so just mm-hmm. think about that, man. In that respect, when you got young kids that don't have a blueprint, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. what's the blueprint, man? Hip hop speaks to them directly, and it says you got to sling dope, you got to shoot people, you got to pimp girls, you got to get into this. So, what are their mm-hmm. options? You know, every 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 banger I talk to in the hood, and I say to them, you know, well, yo, what does life look like for you? What are your options here? And they said, all right, like you know, in a private setting, they'll be like, look, man, I got my options are his social media famous, real thing. Hip hop, mm-hmm. something to do in hip hop. Either as an MC, yeah, or a performer, yep. or, or a producer, yeah. videographer, something in that respect. <laughs> um, you know, uh, sling dope, or yeah. uh, uh, you know, be a pimp, or NBA. Yeah, you yeah. know, straight up. That's mm-hmm. what they're telling you. And when you tell them other things like, "Yo, what are you actually interested in? What do you actually like?" Sometimes it's nothing to do with that, but they don't even think that's a viable option. I'll give you an example: a kid we work with <laughs> in the gang exit strategy, which is a Still a program we run. We have over 400 people in the program right now that are either gang members, gang involved, at risk of it, siblings of or parents in our program. Um, we've, we've dealt with in total, I think, 500 in total right now. But early on, I dealt with this kid. And uh, long story short, when we got to the tail end of what he wanted to do in life outside of what he was doing, he wanted to be a French teacher. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. And I said, why a French teacher? Like eventually I peeled it back to what he wanted to do. And he says, well, my French teacher is the only one who talks to me, mm-hmm. you know? And then when we connected him, we said, well, do you know what it, do you know what it takes to be a French teacher? No. He doesn't even think it's an option for him. Mm-hmm. He's not asking mm-hmm. to be like <laughs> Bill Gates or Tesla. This guy thinks that that goal and that uh, aspiration, mm-hmm. yo, it's not even reachable for me. Yeah. So we break it down with him. We make that connection with a French teacher and say, hey, can you tell him what you have to do? And this kid just... You know, once yeah. he saw a blueprint and he saw a pathway, yeah. to, he was yeah. like, oh, I got it locked in. I had the same thing with a kid who was, uh, he was a safe school transfer to another school, 13-year-old kid, huge boy. And when I came in to do the lecture to the middle school, um, the teacher was like, FYI, this guy just got slung over. So if you get some attitude, you know what's up. I said, mm-hmm. yeah, man, no worries, man. I kind of know how to handle that. So he comes in and generally speaking, whenever I do those assemblies or those presentations, those guys are locked on. Because mm-hmm. I'm speaking to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they are the most like, mm-hmm. it's not what you'd expect. So this kid's locked on. He's participating in all the question and answers. He's mm-hmm. on there. At the end of it, he's like, sir, can I talk to you? I said, yeah, what's up, man? So we talk privately in the library. And just to show you, and this is where I say the solutions are so simple sometimes <laughs> at a young age. that It's not this complex program where you need $10 million. Oh, or, you know, it's, so this kid comes over. And at this point here, I'd been, uh, again, I have lots of friends in the private sector that have, have uh, really coached me to, uh, do my job better. Um, you know, this kid, he's huge. First off, he's huge. So right off of the bat, I'm like, like he's like 6'3", 6'4", he's 13. So we're like, what's up, man? He's like, look, he's like, I got charged from my last school for punching a teacher. And he goes, is this going to affect me playing in the NBA? And I go, do you play ball now? And he's like, plays for Ontario, I think, or some level. Like, he's got a, yo, this guy has an actual chance, all right? Like, <laughs> right. He's, he's got an actual chance just based on his, size and the level of ball he's playing you can't teach size <laughs> so i'm like <laughs> okay well well i go look you're, you're 13 you're young we can figure something out and i go but you know who's your favorite player he's like lebron james oh, i go great i'm like do you know what he did to become lebron he's like no nah, i just played ball so we managed to find a biography of lebron in the library 
And I'm like, homeboy, mm -hmm. take this. You do everything he does. Mm -hmm. You know, everything he did is what you do. Like, I'll tell you, if I know the answer right now. Do you want to be a millionaire? You want to be a millionaire? And you find a millionaire and you do exactly what they did. Yeah. yeah. Why reinvent the wheel? Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. But it's right. funny that it's funny. I'm, I'm looking for this, this quote because I sent it to myself when you talk about hip hop. Right. Because I think we all grew up in, in a time where, you know, we grew up with hip hop as hip hop evolved, we evolved. And, you know, going back to Netflix. So I'm also watching uh, David Letterman's My Next Guest Needs No yeah. Introduction. If you haven't seen it again, watch it. It's it'll blow your mind. He interviewed Kanye West. I love Kanye. And, and as much as some people might say he's kind of loopy, he is brilliant he is and in in the way he so he articulates he things and one thing he said when uh and and david letterman asked these guys hard questions right like when he interviewed jay-z he asked him about being a crack dealer right like it wasn't like oh yeah you're famous he asked the hard questions and when he talked to kanye it was about his bipolar disorder um mm -hmm. and this and that what kanye said was when he was telling it was part of uh one of the songs he was doing he said I told my story and made his story, not history, his story. Mm -hmm. Basically telling the story of a male in the culture that he grew up in mm -hmm. as an African-American right. man. So him telling his story, he's now made history, but told his, his story, story yeah. for every other hmm. person that is like him growing up. Yeah. Trying to get that message across and say, hey, listen, I switched gears and I made it. And when you, when, you know, when you hear Jay-Z speak, he's like, he, he goes, let's be honest, you're either going to die or you're going to go to jail. And because he, his love for music took him somewhere on a day where all his team, his, his crew got raided, he was off doing music. He would have been part of that and incarcerated and we would have never known who Jay-Z was. was. Yeah, man. It's, right? it's a different game, especially for those guys when you, yeah. when you put yourself out there and just anything. You know, you're the first to do anything. Right. You're the first to break through in different spots. It's not easy, man. Mm -hmm. You know, like it is It is not easy and mm -hmm. people don't see it. And you got to insulate and isolate, yeah. right? Like that yeah. is my strategy with everything is whenever I'm the first to do anything or I'm out there and what I've learned over the last, you mm -hmm. know, five years of being out there uh, talking about things pretty openly, mm -hmm. uh, sharing about my experiences mm -hmm. um, and all that stuff is you the unknown's scary. You got a lot of supporters that don't ever voice yeah, up. For sure. Right? Which is great. And then the ones that do voice up, you you remember them forever because they, they're so meaningful for you. Right. But that world's a scary world. Like I'll give you an example right now. Like if you look at um like Takashi Six Nine. Mm -hmm. All right. Like let's just talk, so he's a rapper, comes up from Brooklyn, New York, causes a whole bunch of uh, a ruckus for himself. His whole crew gets picked up by the FBI, mm -hmm. and then the word is on the street. He's an informant for the police, and he gets out after doing like you know he was supposed to do twenty nine years. Mm -hmm. And now the whole hip hop industry turned against him mm -hmm. and said, "Yo, you're a snitch." Mm -hmm. I mm -hmm. saw an interview with this guy, and this guy laid it out perfectly, man. And we have it now, right? You mm -hmm. see it now, where you know, in line with again being the first one out there. Imagine you're a kid from these neighborhoods, and you're like, "Okay, I can make it on these videos," and mm -hmm. you get kind of recruited in, and that's kind of your your yeah. Your, and then you're you're talking, right? You're talking about being so violent. You're talking about shooting and killing because that's what kind of gets you into that yeah. industry. That's what gets you paid. And your yeah. video, like imagine mm -hmm. all four of us on the video right now, and we're talking about we're going to shoot people, we're going to gap people, we're going to whatever. Yeah. When people see us, they expect that. Mm -hmm. All right. Behind the scenes, we might be the most calm, cool people, yeah. but 
when people can recognize you, there's an expectation of behavior. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's awkward, man. Like and he's recognizable. Yeah, you know, I'll tell you, it's, <laughs> right? it's it's so awkward even for me. Like yeah. I'm not a I'm not a celebrity, but in our industry, I've become a well-known guy. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, because of all the talks and all speaking, and then mm-hmm. even people will come up to me. Like we had a new recruit, which I'm totally flattered by. Three of them in the last class that I was at the college for something else, and they came up to me and they were kind of like, it was really awkward for me. But they were like, sir, you know, you're the reason we got into policing. We followed you on Instagram mm-hmm. three years ago. Super humbling, super awkward. Right. And even I found myself trying to be like, like how do I act? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. like, like yeah. how do I, I was just like, thank yeah, yeah. you so much. I appreciate it. I got to go. I just yeah, took yeah, off. Yeah. I don't know how to do it. So when I, when I have those experiences now on a very, very small level and I see, um, you know, these guys that put themselves out there in a mm-hmm. world of violence, mm-hmm. you, you got to act on it. And Takashi 69 when they interviewed him and they said, you know, afterwards he's talking about, it, he goes, listen, man, he said, I was stupid because I thought everybody was a gangster. Mm-hmm. He goes, some people just sing about it. Mm-hmm. He goes, I was an actual gangster. Mm-hmm. And he goes, I fell for the game. Mm-hmm. And he goes, all these other guys talking about, you know, we're shooters, we're killers. He's like, no, they're not. Mm-hmm. He's like, none of them are. And he talks about Meek Mill, for example, as another rapper. He's like, that guy was crying over a breach mm-hmm. on probation for curfew. And he's like, I was shooting people. I was doing kidnappings. We were dealing guns. He goes, mm-hmm. I believe the hype of the game. Mm-hmm. And he's like, why would I sit in the bucket for 30 years? Mm-hmm. I'm not about that. He goes, once I realized what the actuality was that people present this whole thing that's not even real in the industry, mm-hmm. he goes, I actually did it. He's like, screw these guys. Yeah. Right. So whether you're a fan of him or not, I just found that perspective so interesting to say, mm-hmm. like, oh, okay. Right. And, and, and all well, because that stuff. it comes real for him. So now he sees his life <laughs> saying, wait a minute, here I am. I fell for the game. I'm, yeah. I'm going to be sitting in jail for 30 years. My life is over. But I really shouldn't be here, even though he was a bad guy. Yeah. But now um, he's changing his life. So I might I have be a... sounding too old when I say this, mm-hmm. but when I saw, you know, the different colored teeth and all that, I was like, yeah, no. No, I, I but it, honestly, if you, <laughs> so if you I, listen I, I to can't his... Even, uh... I can't, I, I don't yeah. know any of his music, if you, but I do listen, know... Listen to some of his interviews, man. This dude is like out there. With, he's out there. He, listen, he's got some With his followers. Yeah. He's got some crazy tunes. Like he yeah, really yeah, does. Yeah. They're good workout yeah, tunes. Yeah. Right? And then, but if you listen to that interview, you're kind of like, okay. And I don't know if he's changed his path, but yeah. you just see that side of him and you're like, oh, okay, I get it. Like, yeah, yeah. he, he actually thought yeah. like everybody who's singing about shooting and killing is shooting and killing. Yeah. And we see these kids right now mm-hmm. that I think think the same thing. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, I have a, so I have a question for you. How can we harvest partnerships with people like, and, and I throw this out there as, you know, we're Canadian, obviously it's, you know, obviously we have some other people that we, we would like to partner with, but how do we harvest a partnership with people like a Kanye West, a Jay-Z, who are very influential, right? Who are not scared or afraid to tell their story. This is why I was a crack dealer. This is how come I got into the game. I was in it. I was making money, realized not my life. And I followed my true passion. How do we create those partnerships with influential people that would partner with law enforcement? I'll tell you, man. I, I honestly believe this. I think, uh, and, and again, policing is a, doesn't understand mm-hmm. like integrated partnerships and all that stuff, mm-hmm. right? So the way it actually works in my eyes, the way you do it is you got to be your own proof of concept, mm-hmm. right? You can't pitch an idea to somebody who's already established. Mm-hmm. They don't care about ideas. You got to think like you're on short. You got to show that hey, like we actually have sales in this. Like we've actually established a framework. Mm-hmm. Um, we're already up and running. We got this because the reality is on that other end of things for that celebrity world or that impact world of all these like CEOs and all these companies, time is, is money for them, right? Mm-hmm. And time is also very scarce. I'll tell you, even for example, myself on a very small scale, 
I get hit up all the time on Instagram from different people to say, hey, can we talk to you? I can't, I don't have the time, man. Yeah. I gotta go home to my family. And, right. and those times are, are really emotionally exhausting. Mm -hmm. You gotta maximize your impact by showing that we don't just have an idea, we got teeth. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. the way you show that is by putting in the work for two to five years, developing some really good traction. And I honestly, sincerely believe this with all my heart, is you gotta be true to the cause. Right. Like you you gotta be true to the cause. If you go in there and say, look, this is good because it makes economic sense and all that stuff, you lose people. Mm -hmm. Everybody I know that I've ever met that has succeeded in anything that they did is so passionate about their cause and what mm -hmm. they do, whether it's you know a doctor or a businessman, they know the impact of what they do. And they're really uh, special people who I have, uh, in my eyes that I consider special people, the guys who are making the 20, 30, 40, $50 million a year, Mm -hmm. Money to them is not the value system. It's mm -hmm. it's mm -hmm. it's they got a solution to a global problem, and they believe right. in it so much that you believe it, right? Mm -hmm. And and they never stop. They're never satisfied. So yes. if I were you guys and or anybody who wants to get into that space, the biggest mistakes I see social agencies do right now is they pitch on the emotion. Mm -hmm. We got a problem. Everybody knows the problem, mm -hmm. but do you have a framework? Do you have the intelligence to put together? Can you mm -hmm. show a proof of concept? Can you right. show this actually works? Can you show there's a desired need and it's going to be received because mm -hmm. A lot of these programs, unfortunately, you know, they're not evaluated. Mm -hmm. uh, they, they play to the emotional response. They don't get the outcome of results that they want. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's slow and steady wins the pace. So if you start a, a program right now and you focus on four people and you win, those three, four people are going to bring eight. And mm -hmm. then before you mm -hmm. know it, you're going to grow through constantly evolving, changing, mm -hmm. but having strong leadership. Like, and that leadership's got to be dedicated to a vision. Like right. you, honestly, even these partnerships that we're talking about, all of these partnerships, in my opinion, in the government world, the reason they fall apart is nobody's willing to really step up and almost be ruthless in their leadership. And I say ruthless, not in the way of tyrannical. I'm saying so dedicated to the cause that True, the everybody cause. else is kind of falling in line. Mm -hmm. You can't have four people from four different organizations committing to individual causes. There's got to be one mm -hmm. in, the, in the hierarchy that kind of is taking the lead and saying, look, we are the ones that are, are going to drive this. 100% we value you. I need you guys all in. How can I help you? You know, one of my friends has this different line and I use it all the time for relationship building. Uh, the difference is, is uh, his name is Tim Court. He's an executive coach. I had him on our podcast. We have one as well at the Engage 416 podcast. He was mm -hmm. our first guest and he's an executive coach and he co-coaches people with Oprah Winfrey. And uh, Tim is great. He's amazing. He's been a great asset to me over the last four years. He's a friend of a friend. But we you say your buddies. podcast again, just so uh, it's we're the podcast uh, sharing. Yeah, podcast. <laughs> uh, hashtag engage four one six. If you go on uh, iTunes, it's all on their YouTube. But right. um, you know, Tim, he's got an awesome book that he gave me years ago, and one of the, my favorite parts of it. It's called G three by Tim Cork, and I apply this, and it works with everybody. Instead of looking at these things as networking, what can you do for me? You approach it as net giving. What can I give to you? Mm -hmm. Right. And that vision has to be, you know what? Yeah, I may be the, the head of the ship right now, but my job is to value you and say, what do I have to do for mm -hmm. you to get you the best version of you and you and you? Mm -hmm. And it's a really unselfish cause. But finding that type of leadership in the environment and the government structure because of our promotional systems and our rank structure, it's it's next to impossible because of the of the obstacles they have to even climb those ladders. Right. Like this is such right. a systemic issue, but in, in, in a different way that we, we got to restructure what it means to be a leader. Like yeah. that has to be really. And I'm not talking policing alone. I'm talking government has to reestablish what leadership actually means and is. Bro, I'm going to say this out straight. You know, I, I come from a faith based background. So and people may not like that concept, but I speak my mind. I speak as it is. 
I wrote this down Tuesday, November the 24th. You know, yesterday, these things you're talking about. And one of the things that I wrote down here in terms of for the community's lack of viable, meaningful opportunities. And you spoke about that. And I didn't know what you were going to speak about, what was on your mind, and some of the things that I've written down here, some of the things you brought up and other individuals have brought up. And this is just reinforced to me that the path I'm choosing to walk right now being a part of the Crime Stoppers program is the right path. It is the path. You know, and, and bro, as you say, being vested in it, giving it, my determination is to give everything to the program mm -hmm. because I believe in it and I believe what it can do and what it can do for the community and galvanizing the community and coming together and being that leader. And somebody said the same thing to me last night. Bro, you have an opportunity to be a leader because I say to Martin even today, I usually like to work from behind the scenes to tell the honest God truth. I, and even though sometimes I'm tossed out front, I'm not always as comfortable being out front because, you know, it's, it's just not always me. But for the cause, I have no problem grabbing the reins, mm -hmm. hoisting that torch because I believe so much in the community and what the community has to offer. And too often the community is denigrated, looked on upon, cast down, but they're great individuals within the community. I rose out of that community. Yeah. Other people I know rose out of the community, great individuals, lawyers, teachers, entrepreneurs from the community that people spit upon, mm -hmm. you know? And, and I love that these gentlemen beside me yeah. came from similar communities. So, yeah. bro, I, I'm just loving this. Mm -hmm. I'm passionate about it. Yeah. And I'm glad I have great people to work with. Yeah. So I'm just going to step back and let no. it be because I'm getting too excited. No, I, I, I was just about to say, Ron. I'm getting too excited. Ron, Ron does this. Ron does this. Like I said, we're sitting there. We're taking in what this yeah. man's saying. He started talking about the four languages, five yeah, languages. Five love languages. Five yeah, love languages. And then all of a sudden, Sean looks over at me and he's like, what the, yeah. you know, hey, we got to get him over to Crime Stop. We got to yeah. do something with Ron Chinson. Ron. Today was amazing. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Thank and you. Guys I'm for so me, man. glad that you finally have had time. Not that you have much time lately. I made time for you guys. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. But thank you and for I thank you, bro. Thank yeah, you for taking uh, time out of your extremely busy schedule because it's my understanding that uh, you are um, you've put in your your hat. You've put in your 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 name in the hat for uh, president of the Toronto Police Association. I wow. did. That is true. Yes. You know. So I. Hey, you know what? What an amazing thing mm -hmm. to know this man and know what Thanks, he's Mark. about at a level. And, and I'm sorry for people that don't know Ron personally, but uh, to know him at a level where I know this man's heart, I know where he stands with things. And uh, uh, from the first I've ever met him to now, uh, he, like he said, has been true to the cause. Mm -hmm. And Ron, just was, you know, just give me a little bit of what what you've been going through with this whole with this whole um, campaign campaign, campaign yeah, man. And you're stuff. on the campaign trail. Yeah, it's it's an eye opener. So you know, me wanting to do it, I kept it very quiet. It was always something I was interested in, and mm -hmm. always an option, right? And I'm I'm a big believer in if if you're gonna recommend something to people, you better follow your own advice. Mm -hmm. So one of the things I tell people is like, look, you, you really got to believe in yourself, and and we got one shot at this. Right? Like, just like your campaign ain't that, 
I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, man. And right. a lot of people say that, but I, I, I challenge people to think about that. Mm -hmm. Like really sit down and think by yourself. And I spend a lot of time thinking, you ask my wife, I will talk to myself all day. Because for me, my mechanism of sorting out my thoughts is I got to talk. Because mm -hmm. if I can't sort my thoughts out into, you know, um, language or to a sentence, I mm -hmm. lose myself. Mm -hmm. So I talk to myself all day long. And one of the conversations, I think Milton, you hit on the head when you're like, hey, I believe in the cause and I believe in the community. I think uh, the add-on to that that I have is I, I believe in people. Mm -hmm. I really do. And all my work in, uh, you know, over the course of my 15 years, it kind of all wrapped around, around uh, policing and coppers, right? Because ultimately, if we want to solve this problem for our specific role, we need to be the best versions of us. Mm -hmm. And yes. I think that's such a neglected role. And my skill set, mm -hmm. what I'm really good at is obviously talking to people and having vision. But also, I, I think we all inherently have gifts, whatever they get developed or skills and talents. But mine is, is seeing opportunity and seeing things in people that they don't see them in themselves. Mm -hmm. I got over 20 years of coaching and all this volunteer experience mm -hmm. and our policing work. And I see so many cops that are so good at so many things that I don't even think they realize it, mm -hmm. that I think that's the beginning to really solving a lot of these problems is let's focus on the inside. We spend so much time focusing on the outside mm -hmm. that we forget. And, and again, government, not just policing, is we invest so much on the outside that we, we totally forget about the people not the cops, the people doing the job. And policing is, a, like I said, a extremely difficult profession. Mm -hmm. I don't think we, you Most know, it's, it's ever articulated well enough or even spoke about a dining room tables because we don't allow ourselves to get into that realm because it's, mm -hmm. it's so much of this right now mm -hmm. that I think by reducing the hostility, taking a bit of a different approach, which for me, the vision is, you know, a reduced hostility where it's not us versus them. Like that, that, that invisible boogeyman Preach right now brother. is just that because it's the easiest way to get people committed to a cause is to say there's there's a common enemy, right? Mm -hmm. It's a tactic that works. But in this day and age, we have 65% you know, of the police services less than 10 years on the job. It's a different generation. Mm -hmm. They, in, in my, my, for my own justification, the obstacles I had to overcome in, in my career, I would hate myself if I never even tried mm -hmm. to have as big as an impact as I could. Mm -hmm. You know, if at the end of these two weeks in the campaigning, and I've learned, so much about the industry because I'm, I'm now going one of two ways like it's either i'm all in or i'm all out and my, my all out is focusing back on my family my friends and my passion projects which is all in line with making people great and focusing on everybody else but um i'll share just share with you a story um so what i do is in the mornings i go to all the morning parades which is when all the cops show up and i kind of pitch the platform i have five things zero officer suicides you know compelling intelligent representation dreamline information fair access to earned opportunities. And the last one, I can't remember off the top of my head, but regardless, I kind of do that platform. And then at night I do the same thing. So I'm gone 14, 15 hours of the day, mm -hmm. just for two weeks, I can suck it up. But in between, I'll go to individual divisions and I just talk to people, mm -hmm. right? And sometimes I'll find somebody who's on their lunch break and I'll talk to them and I'll tell you, man, you know, in the last five or six days, I've come across so many amazing people with, with such incredible stories mm -hmm. and so many people that are back from things like PTSD and different types of personal issues that are back in here. And there was two conversations I had just to show the, the, you know, the lens of the inside out, which totally gets forgotten because we're so good at putting on armor, actual armor, mm -hmm. that we forget to take it off. And mm -hmm. we forget to show that we're vulnerable human people. And mm -hmm. I'll, I'll share with you, you know, two, two things, uh, two interactions I had, which, you know, I drove home with the radio off. You know, I don't know if you've had those days. I have those days regularly now where mm -hmm. I gotta think, I gotta just 
I don't want to forget what I'm thinking about or the emotion. So the one interaction is I come across a police officer who's been around for a while and he's back and naturally we have a conversation over an hour and uh, he's on his lunch and, and he's off on leave, right? Or sorry, he just came back from some mental health issues. And uh, I asked him as polite as I can, what happened? Which is the way I do what I say is, tell me about the day you realize you needed to focus on yourself, which is really what happens, right? Mm-hmm. And he shares his story. And in the middle of sharing his story, his partner, and they were old timers, kind of taps him to stop. And he says, oh, by the way, this guy was involved in three shootings, you know? And then he continues the story. And the entire time he never told me about the shootings. Mm-hmm. So right. at the end of the conversation, we're cracking jokes, we have a coffee, whatever. And I asked him, like, bro, you got to tell me that. You know, when I asked you about what happened, you never mentioned the shootings. And his response was, I don't want people to think I'm bragging. You know, and it's such a subtle response. But to live in that world in his head, mm-hmm. you know, it's 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 just it really hit me differently. And uh, I think it's a culture issue. Yeah, I, I really mm-hmm. do. Where that is something we all go through. Unfortunately for him, he went through it three times. Mm-hmm. And to live with it and to come back, mm-hmm. like what? That's a hero. Mm-hmm. All right, that's a hero who's sometimes is just looked at as a ghost in a hallway, mm-hmm. which is unacceptable because that could be us. Mm-hmm. And then that same day, I spoke to somebody else who was telling me that you know they were coming upon retirement, and they were they were going home, and on the way home they were convinced and they convinced themselves that I'm going to retire soon, which is a very hard thing for cops to do is to let go of this because we're so personally invested in this. We're in the game of life, mm-hmm. right? We're not in a profession. It's not a. This is not a job. This is a. This is, this is life that mm-hmm. we're in. And uh, it's hard for people to leave that because mm-hmm. it becomes so much of you. So he tells me the story that, you know, he's having this thought and then wakes up in the hospital. And he had suffered a stroke and uh, got in a car accident. Wow. And mm-hmm. uh, he had suffered such bad brain injuries that he had to learn everything from being a child again. Wow. He had to learn how to walk, how to talk, how to eat mm-hmm. for a year and a half. And, and the tail end of that conversation, and this is the same day, right? And I've had these conversations every day. Mm-hmm. every day over the last five days without fail. I'm not looking for this. I'm just finding it. Mm-hmm. And uh, his, his last thing to me was, I said, you know, I'm so intrigued by people's mentality. You know, how do you overcome something like that? You know, mm-hmm. like, well, how, how do you bounce back? What do you, what do you think about what got you through the moments? It was all critical. Mm-hmm. And his response back was, I take it a minute at a time. Not a day, yeah. a minute. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you know, that guy's here and he just... I'm so motivated by those guys, but at the same time, I, I really reevaluate every day, and I'm like, where am I putting my energy? Mm-hmm. Wow. You know, like, what, what, am, what am I doing? And I think it's a f- healthy question to ask. Yeah, yeah, but you know what? I mean, from my perspective, Ron, and, and, you know, like as Martin said a couple of times, the first time I saw you speak was in Flemo, and I legit looked at Martin, as he said, and was like, bro, who is this guy? Thanks. Right? Yeah. It's passion, right? It's passion. And, and, you know, when you say, where are you directing your energy? I, I think it's directing it to your passion and whether you make a holistic change yeah. or a small change, one person at a time, whether you, you're successful in, in your campaign and, and, sure. and moving forward in the association or not, or you stay as you, who you are. I think, I think your passion to just help one person at a time, like yeah. this, this, this guy's, you know, looking at life one minute at a time, I think is, is important, man. Thank and you you doing what you do in your role right now. And, and I could only imagine if you were in, you know, the association role or another role, the impact you would have. I think what you're doing is making a difference because of your passion. I would hope so. 
you know, I would hope so. And again, I really appreciate the kind words, man. It does mean a lot to me because mm-hmm. uh, it is, I'm telling you, it is a lonely world at times. Yeah. Right. Because it's not easy for people to talk about the things that are out in the open. Mm-hmm. I think I think a, a, a leader with uh, with a measure of emotional intelligence um, that uh, that you I know for a fact have is uh, a, um, a part of the ingredients in our in our recipe for, for mm-hmm. success with the Toronto police. And thank you for uh, for taking that very long step, mm-hmm. you know, into into some yeah. into some waters where, you know, it's it's going to be challenging during your campaign. Sure. Uh, I'm going to say this obviously, it's not a, a, a crime stoppers endorsed thing, but it's a Martin Douglas, Constable Martin Douglas <laughs> endorsed thing. Um, you know, Ron Chinzer for president. Thanks, and I'm going to say something from my heart, bro, <clears throat> and not as a crime stoppers thing, you know. I'm just going to say this. I've often said the day that I'm no longer willing to learn is the day I'm no longer fit to teach or instruct. And sometimes I'm in that position. And between last night and, and today, I've learned a lot from others. And bro, I've learned so much from you today. Mm-hmm. And I've known you for a good while. <laughs> but I think today's the first time that I've seen the inside of you in this format. And I don't care what happens in the future, and I hope it's to your heart's desire. That's my wish. And uh, and I can't tell people what to do, but that's my wish for you. Mm -hmm. But regardless of what transpires, bro, I'm here for you. Thank you so much. I'm I'm here for you. I know you guys. You know, and and, and, And I I wish you the best. And... This is not the end of us. This is not no, the end of this conversation. No, no, no. We, we got a whole, this, we got a whole bunch of campaigns to, to yeah. do with uh, yeah. his, pro, his program. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, whether you're there I or not, I'm, I know it's going to continue. And it, it strikes at my heart. And, and, you know, as I said, I guarantee you, in my opinion, we'll be working together on certain I'm, things. I'm sure, man. And I don't know. I know whatever happens, you know, if you move up. But still, I got top you. You know what I mean? That's it. run away. Yeah, yeah. You know, so, Ron, for yeah. sure, man, we got to get you back on sure. the uh, on future podcasts. Hundred percent, man. Whenever you guys want. The work that we do, we can we can talk more about you know how those progress. But as we conclude, I'd like to remind everyone that community safety is a shared responsibility. See it, say it, stop it. Remember, you remain anonymous. Criminals don't. For more information, please visit us at 222tips.com and follow us on social media. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts to stay connected and join the conversation. Please share our podcast. If you have any questions, comments, or show ideas, please email us at crimestopperspodcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening, and until next time, be safe. So far be well. this year, there have been blessed. 398 shootings. These men opening fire on five teenagers. Three people were shot. A woman was injured. Two men killed. I wish I could.